This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon, welcome, and Happy New Year. Well, the groups attacking the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad have withdrawn from the compound's perimeter after two days of violence, which left extensive damage. The protesters were supporters of Iran-backed militia groups, and they were angered by U.S. airstrikes against them. The hostilities came amid escalating tension between the U.S. and Iran, which are the two main Iraqi government sponsors. Now, remember back in October, the Trump administration announced a troop pullout from Syria. A lot of people thought that was a bad idea, and now they are deploying additional troops to the region, this time to Iraq. So what does this escalation mean? Uh, if you have an opinion, think good, bad, indifferent, the numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Now I'm joined by Dr. Elliot Tepper, Senior Fellow at the Norman Patterson School of International Affairs at Carleton University. Hi, Dr. Tepper. Happy New Year. And the same to you, Libby. Well, uh, does this turn of events surprise you at all? Very little about the Middle East can either be predicted or be at the same time surprising. It's such a turbulent area that we are, should anticipate. Hello? Come and go. This particular incident is, if, if you want to zero down into it, kind of in a micro tit for tat situation. The U.S. Uh, did take action, armed action, in Kirkuk not long ago after these uh, same militias, these uh, Iranian-backed militias, had attacked uh, American uh, contractors there and killed some. They've been shelling that for a long time. So Kirkuk is in the heart of... uh, Oil country. ...was Kurdistan. and So standing back from it, and we're going to talk about a lot of details, we should remind ourselves that much of what goes on in the Middle East is both hard to fathom in terms of what we see on the surface, but at the bottom underneath it all... It probably has a lot to do with oil. Now, one of the, I mean, you know, in the Middle East, you know, the, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. But, yes. but in Iraq, the U.S. is in this, uh, I would say, weird position. So on the one hand, when they were fighting ISIS, they were allied with the Iraqi government, which is Shia. Uh, but the Iraqi Shia government is close to Iran, the U.S.'s arch enemy, and they're getting closer by the minute. And that's, it's, it's a strange situation to be in, right? Yes. Yeah, so we <laughs> trying to sort out who's who. And the, there's an old saying in baseball terms, you, don't, you can't tell the players unless you buy the score sheet. You have to buy, you know, the little tab about who's playing today. In the Middle East, it wouldn't help. Because what we see on the surface is so rarely the full story. We have to go back and remember, this is uh, the Iraq we see today occupies the area between the Tigris and the Euphrates. This is the 
the origins of, of civilization itself. So there's a cultured, settled, civilized area there from time immemorial. But the Iraq we see today has borders which were created primarily after the end of the First World War uh, at the convenience of the occupying Western powers, which again had a lot to do with oil. So the Iraq we see today is very hard to defend in its, in its uh, constituent elements with the Kurds running out altogether and they occupy one portion. And it was a Shia-majority area, but had a Sunni government controlling them and suppressing them under, remember the name, <laughs> uh, of the Iraqi uh, dictator there, Assad. So we Saddam Hussein, you mean. I'm sorry, Saddam Hussein. So Saddam Hussein was there, the U.S. overthrew him, uh, then that allowed the Shia, who had long been suppressed, to come to the fore. But that also opened the door for Iranian influence, and that in turn has to do with trying to kick out America. So a lot of this has to do with trying to figure out how Iran is combating the U.S. through their activities in Iraq. Uh, yeah, and and in Syria, of course. Uh, in Syria, now, the, of course. There was the President Trump sent a, a very threatening treat, tweet out to Iran basically saying if uh, you know if there's if there any lives are lost or there's any further problem with our embassies you will pay a very big price in capital letters and saying this this is not a warning it's a threat so yes not a warning it's a threat how does that raise the temperature and and how dangerous is that i think since we are speaking now on the start of the year 2020 uh, and leaving 2019 behind us, we have to stand back a bit and say the Middle East is an incredibly dangerous area, that there's been this long-term struggle between Iran and the U.S. in the area, that this is one more front, what we're seeing in Iraq, one more front in that struggle. That's how it's perceived by Iran. That's how it's perceived by the U.S. And uh, the particular situation in Iraq is that the U.S. is there really on sufferance, that is, the troops that are there are the successor uh, to the troops that first led to the Saddam Hussein overthrow. But after that, the status of forces agreement expired long ago. American troops are, are uh, there under a, a more tenuous agreement. The Iranians want to manipulate the situation so that their Shia-backed government will finally expel all American forces from the region, from Iraq, and then uh, that begins, they hope, a domino effect in terms of Syria as well. So it's a very complicated situation, but we are in a dangerous situation because now the U.S. is saying that it's a threat. If you do anything to us, we're going to retaliate, and that's kind of an invitation. You know, there's a, there's a theory that what we just saw was a trap, that uh, right now Iraq has domestic internal turmoil, Around the world, as you know, people are marching in the streets against autocratic governments, against corruption. That included Iraq. There's been street demonstrations for, for months. A lot of people killed. Uh, and they're against their own government. There is no government at the moment. The prime minister has resigned. And trying to get a new prime minister is difficult. So this is now a way for Iran, so to speak, to trap the Americans into changing the, um, the dynamic inside Iraq back in their favor since a lot of the demonstrators were also saying we're against our own government, in part because it's under the control of Iran. 
that's how complicated this kind of situation is. Uh, yeah, and uh, what about, where are the Russians in all of this? Because uh, they back Iran-backed uh, uh, militias and whatever in Syria. Yes, that would shift our attention away from Iraq, because in Iraq, that's not, uh, we don't see a major Russian influence directly, but it helps the Russians, as does almost anything that America's doing in the Middle East, because on the one hand, uh, America is saying under Trump, we want out of the Middle East. And that's, Russia says, that's fine by us. We want back in. And we are working with Iran inside Syria uh, to now get the warm water port they've always coveted. Uh, Russia has long coveted. And they want to be the, uh, the defining power, the balance of power shifting from one to the other, working tactically with Iran at the moment inside Syria. So anything that damages America's interest in Iraq benefits, of course, Russia. Okay, it's getting more complicated by, yes. by the minute. Now, it, does this have the potential to become another kind of quagmire for America with troops? Well, this is, uh, this is really the threat that Iran is holding over and the gamble that Iran, Iran is playing over America in regard to America, because Trump clearly is saying, we want to pull our troops out of there, but you can't push us around. Uh, we are against Iran, but we're not going to actually take any strong military action to prevent Iranian uh, expansion of interest. Therefore, uh, a threat to drag America into a quagmire really, again, works to Iran's interest, and they can push that uh, to, to some degree. They feel they have a good position now because they are extremely strong inside Iraq. They're extremely strong inside Syria. And at the same time, America is saying... On the one hand, you can't push us around. On the other hand, saying we want out. And by the way, the American president is uh, being impeached. So they, the Iranians, I think, see that they have room to push without a lot of payback. And that, that gamble is part of what we're seeing right now in Iraq. Uh, what about in Iran internally? There have been huge demonstrations there, violent demonstrations, and a lot of people have died there. Yes, so... Is this attacking America and making everybody rally around the government helps the Iranian regime entrench itself at a time when they, in turn, are facing internal uh, pressures. The situation, because America has pulled out of the Iranian nuclear deal, with which, uh, you know, they, it was a mutual deal. It wasn't a great deal, in my opinion, and many others, but it was a deal between the two sides. Once one side pulls out... The other side, Iran, is saying, see, you can't trust these people. Let's go. Now rally around the flag because they are encroaching on, you know, the, the, the Shiite interest in the Middle East. Why don't you help us push them out of the Middle East? Why don't you help us in Iraq? So this works to the advantage, as does a lot of the activities, unfortunately, of the Western spread the Trump administration. And and then now, what uh, what what does this uh, you know mean for Israel as well? I mean, Iraq has said it wants to wipe Israel off the map. There are, every now and again there are reports that Israel is going to attack Iran. It's a big factor in all of this. Where where is that at? At a dangerous point. We're talking now again at the as we turn into the new decade, uh, tensions in the Middle East are always uh, on the boil, but we have a situation of an Iran that feels emboldened. They feel threatened domestically, as you've pointed out. 
So therefore, they're emboldened to do something to distract and to rally people around uh, the regime by acting overseas, uh, not overseas, but in their region, to, to say, look, we're a great power here. So the situation with Israel is, as usual, very perilous. People have overlooked the fact that, in fact, there's a, a low-scale war already, a military conflict going on between Iran and Israel, because Iran keeps trying to entrench itself in the neighborhood, in Syria and uh, with Hezbollah in, in Lebanon, hostile to, to Israel's interest. And Israel has been taking military action, including, by the way, in Iraq, uh, not too long ago, as well as in Syria. So this low-key low but definite uh, military hostility between those two states is a factor in all of this. The U.S. has pledged uh, to maintain Israel's security and sovereignty uh, and, and, and peace in the region as such as it is, at least their existence. So I think we're entering 2020 with an increased level of concern about what might break out there. And uh, if you were uh, predicting, what would you say that it will hold for us? Well, we've, uh, I try not to predict. I'm a political scientist, uh, not, a, not a seer. What I do foresee is all of this tension with a lot of firepower behind it. Remember, Saudi Arabia is a big player here as well. Uh, Saudi Arabia has their uh, internal regional conflict with Iran. The Shia-Sunni split is one of the, and, and, and also, by the way, Turkey, uh, the Turkish interest there. That, that's an eternal dynamic in the region. Uh, so that is also increasing. Turkey feels emboldened because they see the, the fragmentation around them, and they've acted in ways which strengthen their interest, but which then leads to more, more of a dynamic of potential conflict. So far, this has not blown into a major conflict. It's possible we'll continue along those lines. Again, oil is such a factor hiding behind all of this, yeah, that's why Kirkuk was so interesting in the first place to America and having troops there, which took, takes us back to the opening of this comment. I'm concerned, to answer your question, I'm concerned at the start of the decade and at the start of the year that the situation in the Middle East is getting so complex and so intertwined and pulling on one string can lead to another that there could be a, um, a knock-on effect from one crisis leading to another leading to another if this is not carefully handled, right now as we speak, the U.S. Secretary of Defense is on air outlining his position and America's position regarding Iraq. But things in one place can easily spiral over into another. ISIS is still a factor. Al-Qaeda is still a factor. So we have a situation of the collapse of the state system such as it was, which was autocracies held together by by uh, ideology and by force after the first world war those states were not viable states in, in in a normal sense and none of them are democracies except of course for israel okay uh well that is not a, a very optimistic <laughs> view but uh we will continue to monitor the things that are going okay, on Libby, the only optimism i have is that so far all of this has played out without <laughs> breaking out into all-out war. Perhaps that will continue. Okay, let's hope so. Thank you so much, <laughs> Dr. Elliot Tepper, and Happy New Year. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. 
You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.